Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, welcome to In The Pink, sponsored by Bose. Stay home, stay healthy, stay connected. Um, talking of evolution, um, talking of change, what have you made of the Black Lives Matter movement? Um, and you know what, I, I'm going to say at this point, because I know you and I have discussed it so much in recent weeks, um, and that's great, thank you, because I've, I've really enjoyed um, hearing your thoughts on it, but I want to kind of get them on record now. I don't know what else to call it other than the Black Lives Matter movement, because but, but Black Lives Matter is obviously an organisation that a lot of people, so, well, some people feel uncomfortable with. It is also a statement that says Black Lives Matter, because of course they do. And... I know that we've all come in for some criticism of this. You know, we were wearing badges to show our support and then people were like, well, hang on a minute. Do you even know what this organization stands for? So I kind of wanted to clarify that to begin with. That I, and I know you're the same, um, back and believe in improvement, change, diversity um, on, on every level in Formula One. Um, what has been your initial kind of, your initial thoughts, if you like, and how have they evolved over the recent weeks? I think it's been a really educational couple of months for me, really. Um, if I'm perfectly honest, I didn't understand why the, you know, the, the, the movement gathered such a lot of steam on this occasion after obviously the tragedy with George Floyd in the States. But it's, it, it, you know, things like um, police brutality aren't new. They, they're not, it's not something that's, so uh, I was trying to get my head around why suddenly on this occasion it's gathered so much momentum. And then in that process, I, you know, I spent time speaking to, so a friend of mine uh, works in, in, in New York um, for the state and part of her, um, you know, her role is essentially uh, she's a psychologist and she, she, you know, she works with patients understanding whether they are, ready to be put back into society, um, you know, after they've served a certain amount of time in prison. So she works in, she worked at Rikers Island, you know, some of the really tough prisons in there. And, it, you know, having several conversations with her made me find, really fully understand, because I haven't spent that much time in the States, so I don't, I don't really re understand what, how big the problem was, but spent, having these conversations with her made me understand how 
much, there is still an issue between how black um, people are treated by the police versus, uh, versus white people. And so, you know, you start with that and then you start to broaden the conversation to what Formula One have talked about, which is, you know, it, it's about diversity and inclusion, not just to do with race. It's to do with gender, it's to do with um, socioeconomic, which I think is very important and often overlooked. Because I think, you know, when people talk about diversity and inclusion, they immediately go to race or gender. But actually, you know, we, we need to, to really look at the socioeconomic side of it and see how do we make it more affordable for people to go and get the qualifications they need to work as an engineer or to get onto the ladder of karting to become a driver um, from all different walks of life. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's other aspects. You know, how do you make the introspective versus the, the, the introverts versus the extroverts, right? How, how does, if you look at, even in, um, uh, let's say, in any meeting in the paddock, it's the extroverts that are heard. You know, you and I are lucky, we are extroverts. But when we sit around a table of 10 or 12 people, there may be an introvert around there who actually has some you know, really, really important, valuable opinions, but is, is shy to share it. How do we make that person feel comfortable and included? Um, and it's something that, honestly, we don't all think about enough. And I think, so, you know, it's, as I said, it's been a really educational couple of months for me to understand really what, as a sport, Formula One needs to do. And I think that includes all of us as the community, as, as you know, members of this sport. I want to add sexual orientation to your list as well, because I'm yes. really surprised the lack of openly gay men and women there are in Formula One. And, and then um, on top of that, I, I was talking, obviously, we were all talking to Lewis at the weekend after the Hungarian race. And he, he made the point, I just wonder how much would have been done in our sport if I wasn't here. And he wasn't trying to give himself a pat on the back he was just saying you know i am a six-time world champion and i and i'm being heard because of my status within the sport if i wasn't here would anything be done what do you think i think he's got a a very powerful voice and he's using it um i think there is a an element of truth in what he's saying you know certainly he's got the ability to to really make people sit up and think. Uh, if I'm perfectly honest, his tweets and his Instagram posts made me pay more attention to reading about the subject and learning about the subject. So, you know, I, I'll stick my hand up and say, absolutely, I was influenced by by what he was saying. Um, sorry. I think so. I think what what's what's interesting is the reaction of different people in the paddock, and this is also amongst other drivers. I think, you know. Some of the drivers have looked at it and gone, yeah, you know what? Fair play to Lewis. He's right. We should be thinking about it more. We should be, I should be educating myself more because this is, is an interesting point, uh, which is the school of thought that, I, as I said, I came from. But there are others who, just because Lewis called them out on, for not speaking about it, put their noses completely out of joint. And I have completely disconnected themselves from the conversation and are sort of doing the bare minimum to appease um, appease their sport or appease their team to without actually engaging in the conversation. 
So do, you um, think, do you think he got it wrong then by coming out on the offensive? Perhaps, he, perhaps if he'd encouraged uh, a wider dialogue, if you like, from, from the off. Because yeah, he, I, you know, I think, and, I think, and I get it. I get why he was pissed off and why he wanted to say what he did. But maybe, as you say, that did put people's backs up. Maybe that did. I think at the end of the day, drivers and all drivers are like any other sportsman, right? They've all got an ego. All racing drivers have an ego, and different. It's just a different level of ego. Um, and certainly, you know, I think there's some drivers whose noses were put out of joint because of the way he came, as you said, on the front foot. And maybe if he'd done it in a more private way and just send them all an email, send them all a personal email saying, look, guys, <clears throat> this is the situation. These are my thoughts. I'm going to propose to F1 that this, 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 and this it would be good to do. Mm. To, you know, and I'd really appreciate your um, support in, yeah. in this. And I, I, I do think he, certainly from the, from the minority, it is a minority of people that he seems to have rubbed up the wrong way in the way and the tone he's taken. I think that may have been a more effective way to do it. And do you think there's anything in the fact that they're obviously a hugely competitive bunch? I mean, I know we always talk about the Premier League and we say, you know, how clean and striking that image of them all taking the knee was. But the bottom line is they are a team. They do need to be unified and they are taking a stance as one. Whereas we've got quite a disparate group here. We've got competitors who probably don't want to say, well, you know, I'm fighting against him on the track. Why would I come together for this? Now, I'm not saying that's right um, because it would be so powerful. But just I, I don't think it's that. I don't think that's the issue. I think... Um... I think what we have to consider is F1 is is a bit more complex because you've got you've got 14 different nationalities of drivers mm. on the grid. I think you've got football you know, teams as well, though. Uh, I know, but what I'm saying is you've got 14 different nationalities amongst 20 people as a percentage. Right. That's yeah, quite yeah. a that's yeah. quite a, a international group. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are you know different people have got different cultural reasons i think daniel kefia for example from russia explained his reasons for not taking yeah. the knee but but also i think and i mentioned this on a, a broadcast on sky sports f1 i think it's yes the knee taking the, the the act of taking the knee by the drivers is a very powerful sign and it's a very powerful symbol of support but we need to be careful here because so much of the conversation following the races has been about which drivers did or didn't take the knee, mm -hmm. we need to be careful that we don't lose sight of the bigger conversation. And, you know, we, the symbolism shouldn't overtake the, the bigger picture conversation, which is actually, how do we fix the sport, which is currently in the paddock? I think I read a stat somewhere that was 97% white uh, at the moment and 88% male, you know, and that's even before going into the other, other, um, categorizations that we talked about before. So, you know, really what we need to be talking about is how, how do we address those balances? Well, I suppose the first question is, does the sport want to redress that balance? And the answer is yes, we know they do. Um, Chase Carey has made a very powerful statement by contributing a million dollars himself, personally. So we know the, the appetite is there and the will is there. So now it's talk. I think the conversation really needs to be about how are we going to redress that balance? Yeah. Um, have you encountered 
racism within the sport or unconscious bias? What, what kind of has been your own personal experience? For me personally, and, and again, I need to reiterate that this is only my personal experience. It doesn't mean that it's the same about Lewis or Alex Albon or Narain or anyone else's experience. But in my personal, um, you know, 20 odd years of driving in, in the sport and working as a broadcaster, the answer is no from the core of the sport. You know, I never felt that I was treated differently by other drivers in wheel to wheel battle uh, or by teams or engineers or mechanics or anyone like that, you know, and it was fascinating. I saw the documentary about Willie T. Ribs on um, Netflix called Uppity. And I couldn't, I couldn't relate to it. You know, this, I, I was struggling to relate to this guy, the, the, you know, open, um, you know, racism that he felt where people were giving him duff engines and he was getting, you know, uh, real secondhand treatment purely because of the color of his skin. It was extraordinary for me to see. Uh, it was really eye-opening and, and quite sad to see, really. But, you know, for me personally, it's never been... I, I've never personally experienced in that level. So I, I call that the core of the sport, right? This is... I call it the core of the sport who travel, the traveling circus that goes around to different, different parts of the world. I think where... Certainly, there is... There's a couple of occasions where, which does make you think. You know, I've, I've, for example, brought friends into the paddock who have mentioned to me, they said, you know, you look around, you realize not many non-white people here, are there? Um, and I think for me, because I grew up in a motorsport environment, I've, I've always felt like I belong in the paddock mm -hmm. and I've never questioned that. Whereas actually, if you, I think, first walk in there, it does make people check themselves. Hey, hang on, do we, what's going on here? Do we, do we belong here? Um, which is an interesting perspective, which completely went over my head, to be honest. And it's something I've had to think about recently. Um, but it's, I think, the peripheries of the sport. You know, for example, there's several races I go to where we do, you know, the security checks when you go in. Certainly, my bag gets checked more than other people. Um, you know, I remember there was, there was a race, um, and, and I mentioned this to Eddie Jordan. And I said to him, I said, you watch. Whichever car, we had a convoy of four cars going in. I said, whichever car I'm going in will be the one where the bags get surged. And it happened. And the next day I switched cars and it happened again in the other car. And then I switched cars again the third day. And he didn't believe me till I got to third day. He said, Mike, you know, I said, look, these aren't things that you guys have to think about, but I, I know it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, it, it's a part of our life that you, um, you know, you, you unfortunately, I don't want to use the word get used to, but you almost come to expect in some parts. Um, but that's not an F1 problem, right? That's a, that's a societal problem in that country because that's, those aren't people who work in Formula One. Those are people on the periphery of the sport. It's so interesting because you say uh, that's not something that we have to think about. It's also not even something that we necessarily notice being white. And yeah. I went, I had a, um, a black co-host for an NFL show that I used to present. And I suggested that we met at Shoreditch House for um, a production meeting. And he was like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's okay. And he walked in and he said, look, just out of interest, look around. And I was like, yeah, what? And he went, do you see another black person in this whole place? And I went, no, I don't. Now he said, now flip that. And you've come to meet me for a production meeting and you walk in and you don't see a single other white person. 
you have to say you'd feel intimidated because, and you'd feel out of sorts and like you weren't welcome. And I thought, shit, I hadn't even thought of it like that. And this is why yeah. the whole process and all these conversations matter and they really help because we're all being educated. We're all works in progress. And actually talking yeah. to Lewis on Sunday off camera, he said, I don't have all the answers. I'm learning on this as well. And it was refreshing to hear him say that, but I have to say how impressed we all were with just how incredibly well he performed in Hungary when he has got so much going on off track as well because that would and could be a distraction for some people and it clearly isn't for him if anything it almost motivates and energizes him which is astonishing brilliant yeah no no question about it you know he's he's able to to clearly create that separation in his mind between when he needs to focus on driving the car and uh, you know and then focus on other issues outside of it it, it is very impressive and i think it, it's been really interesting talking to you know, people within the sport, within the paddock, because, you know, the, the immediate reaction, and, I, and I've seen this even on, you know, like my Facebook feeds and things like that from people I know from within the sport. And there's like this immediate uh, reaction from people of saying, oh, I'm not racist. I have, and, and, and often they'll come up with some story about how they have a black or brown friend and this and this and this happened and therefore they're not, and it's like, no, you're not, you're not getting the big picture here. You're not understanding it. And, you know, I, I told a story of um, how I went to the station on, I think it was three occasions I've been to the station to pick my wife up when she got off the train. And, um, you know, I was, I was parked at the station in the sort of pickup area and somebody got in the back of the car because they assumed I was a taxi driver. Now, that person probably doesn't, you know, they probably don't think they're a race, they're racist or they, they don't think they have racist thoughts or any uh, unconscious biases, but that showed that they did. Uh, there was a subconscious bias. And, and I think that's, the, that's been the interesting thing for me in this last couple of months is actually just learning about the concept, not, not necessarily the concept because I was aware of it, but just learning about how prevalent subconscious biases are in society. Mm. And just just trying to get people to think about what they say, how they say it. Um, and, you know, there's a fine line with friends as well, right? You know, I think there's, there's a lot of people who, <clears throat> who you know, li like you do with your close friends and your families, you do take certain liberties and you do make certain jokes and you do get, you know, you do relax a bit and, and, and things are taken by the recipient in the right way. But that's totally different versus somebody completely unknown to you making mm. comments or saying things. Um, and I think, that, you know, there are moments where you look to your colleagues um, for support. You know, I think there's, you know, certainly I remember when I rejoined Sky at the beginning of last year, um, and there's a bit of controversy around whether Ted was going to be part of the team or not. And the number of... Um, you know, tweets and messages I got, which were pretty, pretty abusive, you know, racially, uh, was extraordinary. And, um, you know, I was lucky that the management of Sky called me straight away and, you know, just said, look, want to make sure you're okay. Do we need any support? And this, and, and I was, I was very grateful for that. You know, they, they were there to support me. And, you know, Mark Weber called me from Australia and he was sitting in his house in Noosa. And he said, look, I've seen a couple of tweets. If you need me to fire a few missiles that 
at them. Just let me know. And, you know, I, I appreciate people like that coming out to support. And I think that to me shows that there is a very much a sense of community within the sport. And we have a powerful ability to, to rally together. Um, we just, we've just got to get uh, a, a clear plan in place on how we channel that energy. Thanks so much for listening to In The Pink. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast you've listened to so far. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Check out our Instagram page at in underscore the underscore pink. And you get all the details there about how you can win some of those Bose noise cancelling headphones. And join the community. We're all talking about the various guests that we've had on the podcast and who we'd like to see and hear in the next few weeks. So thank you for joining us. Stay with us. Stay healthy. Stay home. Stay connected with Bose. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.